1: Welcome to College Football Live, I'm Victoria Arlen and let's go out the tunnel. Starting in the SEC, the path to Atlanta could become a bit clearer after this weekend. We break down the key games in the SEC East and West. Then we bid farewell to Bedlam, but not before we tell you why this game could have a very similar feel to the Red River rivalry earlier this season. And it's the current Heisman favorite squaring off against the defending Heisman champ. We preview the Washington USC matchup next on College Football Live.
2: College Football Live is presented by Dr. Pepper.
1: Welcome into College Football Live. I'm Victoria Arlen alongside Sam Macho in studio and Roddy Jones joining us from afar. Now, week 10 is here, and we've got quite the weekend of matchups. So it's time for our weekend lineup brought to you by Wendy's Beef. Now, a big weekend for college football as we see five ranked matchups with CFP implications. Both Big 12 contenders, Texas and Oklahoma, have... Dangerous matchups as they try to avoid that critical second loss. Then we see the SEC contenders Alabama and Georgia put to the test as well. And the Tigers are still alive in their hopes to win the SEC East. And obviously we know that Georgia is great and they're the reigning national champions and all that jazz. But Roddy, with Missouri coming off that bye, what would you like to see with them in this matchup? Oh, we seem to have lost Roddy. All right, we've lost Roddy. Well, Sam, what would you like to see in this matchup?
3: There's a couple things I want to see in this matchup. Yeah. And I think the first thing is I want to see what Georgia's defense looks like. I want to see Georgia, they seem like they're playing more together from a defensive perspective. What I mean by that is the last couple of years, the reason their defense has been so dominant is that they actually like, communicate extremely well together. The front end, the back end, they all talk together. But they're in for a huge challenge. Could Missouri on the other end have some dogs? Theo Weiss is one of them. Brady Cook at quarterback. Some extreme weapons.
1: Well, you know, the magic of television. We'll get Roddy back eventually. Don't you worry. But who should we also be keeping an eye out for in addition to those guys?
3: Yeah, so those are two of them. Theo Weiss we talked about. We talked about Brady Cook. But also there's a receiver named Luther Burden III who is extremely talented. And last year as a freshman, he had eight touchdowns. Six of them were receiving touchdowns, two in the return game. And so he, he kind of came on the scene as a freshman last year. This year he's really stepping up.
1: All right, well, let's keep a look into it, too, because you kind of dove a little bit into that insight as well. So let's go see what you had to say. How about that? All right, we are going to look at the SEC standings because you dove into that, but we're going to get to that a little later. But entering Week 10, we had huge matchups this week in the SEC East with Missouri going to Athens to take on Georgia. We also see LSU head to Tuscaloosa to try to get their second win in a row versus the Crimson Tide. Kelly says, forget playing for double OT. We're going for two and the dub. Bama's got to get his stop with their playoff hopes are over. Daniels for the win. That's good. LSU does it! And a field rush for the ages. And a night they'll never forget in Baton Rouge.
3: This game has always had significance in a consequence of your season. Get your mind right. Focus on this moment.
1: A got
3: it. It. This rivalry, one of the most bitterly contested in all of college football.
1: All right, let's take a look at what's at stake for LSU and Alabama this weekend. Alabama lost last season's matchup, but besides that, they have dominated the series, winning 10 of the last 12 meetings. Now, LSU, on the other hand, is looking to be the third team since Nick Saban arrived in Tuscaloosa to beat Alabama in back-to-back games. Now, Bama can clinch the SEC West with a win and Ole Miss losing to Texas A&M. Now, with all that being said, let's dive in a little deeper. Sam, with this matchup in LSU having one of the best offenses in the country, who is a key player in this matchup for LSU? Well,
3: it starts with Jane Daniels, and i got to correct you, Victoria. You said one of the best offenses. <laughs> no, LSU has the number one offense when it comes well, to yards. number to be universal? Number, this ain't universal. This is LSU's universe, and everyone else is living in it. The, Jane Daniels and Malik Nabors one of the best duos in all of college football, and they have the stats to prove it, number one. But number two, and even, I think even bigger story is this. There's been a lot of Heisman conversation of maybe it's Penix and he hasn't looked great. There's some games with no touchdowns. Caleb Williams has some losses. Jaden Daniels, if he finds a way to beat Alabama – He will cement himself in the Heisman conversation, squarely smack dab in the middle. That's what will happen, right? Last year, he got a chance to beat Alabama, but this is not last year. This is this year. Malik Nabors is playing at an even higher level. That offense is great. Now, on the other side, you have that defense, Kool-Aid McKinstry being one of the DBs who leads Alabama's charge. That will have to slow down that offense, but LSU knows how to put up points period. That's why they're the number one offense in all college football.
1: I think it's the key thing that you said is so many people get so caught up with well, last year Last year, it's a new slate yes. this year. And, and so many coaches have been emphasizing yeah. that. Is that. It's a different team this year.
3: It is, and that's true. Like People yeah. graduate, and people not only that graduate and go to the NFL or go do things after football, but also you mature. You become better. Jayden Daniels this year is a better quarterback than he was last year. He's matured. He's older. He's wiser. All those things. And then his communication, his conversation, his play style with neighbors is even at a higher level. And so that's what's happening in LSU. They're not looking at last year's game and saying, this is what we need to do to beat Alabama. Why? Because Alabama's different this year. They have a different quarterback, and now their quarterback this year. Is finding ways to play even better. And so that's going to be what I'm looking into. How does LSU's offense go against Alabama's defense?
1: The best offense. Yes. The best. The best. The (laughs) best. All right. We're going to keep shifting gears. Big 10 coaches are frustrated with the ongoing investigation into Michigan's alleged sign stealing. Our Pete Thamel reports that in a 90-minute call on Wednesday with Commissioner Tony Petitti, the coaches explained the distinct advantage Michigan would have had the past three years by allegedly Obtaining signals from opposing teams ahead of time, something not allowed by NCAA rules. Now, sources told ESPN that Petiti has a meeting scheduled today with Big Ten athletic directors. Adam Rittenberg joining us now. Adam, what more can you tell us about the rising tensions in the conference?
0: Well, Victoria, tensions certainly are mounting on first-year commissioner Tony Petitti. A source told me about Wednesday's call with the Big Ten coaches that he was really, quote, taken aback by how upset they are. And this person added, if he does not act, he could lose the Big Ten coaches and ADs, lose their trust. Now, he ultimately works for the president, but he also has to deal with the ADs and the coaches. This will be the second call in about a week in which the Michigan situation will come up. I was told last week Michigan Athletic Director Ward Manuel addressed the group, had some sympathy from the other ADs, but certainly there's a real concern about how this has affected the competition on the field, and the Big Ten is the only one that can really act here because of the NCAA's investigative timeline. The Big Ten does not have to wait for that to, a- to end before it potentially investigates and imposes penalties on Michigan.
1: Mm, a lot still to come. The investigation is ongoing and we will see what comes from the call later tonight. Adam, thank you for the update. Still to come, curtain call for Bedlam. We break down the keys to the victory in this final rivalry game. Plus, we'll be airing things out in La La Land this weekend. This Pac-12 is the deepest when it comes to the quarterbacks. Let's go, man. Welcome to the Panic Show. What a throw! And that's what Caleb
3: Williams does. That man has put up a highlight reel in this game. I've never seen anything like it.
2: College Football Live is presented by...
5: They've been doing this thing since 1904. OU, OSU. This is
4: Bedlam. The Bedlam
0: game is over because Oklahoma chose to leave the Big 12. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State have played for over 100 years.
2: He's getting taken to the Hawks
0: Touchdown. Somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose. This could be the last Bedlam.
1: The last bedlam. Let's go by the numbers for this historic rivalry. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State have met every year since 1910. Their 114 consecutive games is the second longest uninterrupted series in FPF's history, trailing only Minnesota and Wisconsin. Mike Gundy has played Oklahoma 33 times as a player, assistant, and head coach. And his win-loss isn't great. Only six victories. Now, this is the only the sixth time Oklahoma has entered the game after a loss since 1999, Bob Stoops' first season. Now, Sam, you played in the Big 12. Looking back, what was your favorite Bedlam moment?
3: Well, it actually was the moment before that. So it was the three-way tie. Texas had played Oklahoma, and we had beat Oklahoma. I was playing at Texas. But then later on in the season, so this is the the Crabtree catch, right? Texas Tech beat us, right, and boom. So then, all of a sudden, later on in the season, I'm like, okay, I need Oklahoma to lose to Texas Tech. (laughs) That way that loss doesn't affect us as much. And then that was Bedlam. But all of a sudden, there was madness happening. There was tipped passes caught by guys like Jermaine Gresham, who you see on your screen making huge plays. Oklahoma went on to win this game. They wanted to go, I believe if I'm not mistaken, Big 12 championship and a national championship. And so that game meant everything for a lot of people in the Big 12, but a lot to me that year.
1: A mm, lot to us that we get to share that <laughs> moment with you. And look who it is. Look who's back. Look, it's live television. <laughs> Tech issues happen, but Roddy has joined the party. So, Roddy, let's get to this game, all right? Oklahoma State hasn't won since 2021. What's going to be the key for them this week?
5: First off, hopefully they don't have any issues like I've had uh, so far. but the, the big thing is they're gonna have to turn around and hand it to their big back, Ollie Gordon, who's been phenomenal the last two weeks, over 270 yards against both Cincinnati. And West Virginia and he's really done a lot of his damage in the fourth quarter go back and look at those two fourth quarters he seems like he has gotten stronger as the game has gone on the past two weeks this Oklahoma State offense figured out who its quarterback was going to be Alan Bowman they figured out that Ollie Gordon was going to be the back to take him to the land that was promised so they put him in the pistol they run him downhill and they do it over And over and over and over so that by the time you hit the fourth quarter you're tired of tackling that big back. So Oklahoma State's got to keep it close and get to the best closer in the Big 12. That's Ollie Gordon.
3: But Oklahoma on the other hand, they planned for this, right? Brett Venables and this Oklahoma defense is coming off of a loss to Kansas. And what happened the last time, not necessarily that they lost, but the last big game they had against Texas, their defense dominated from start to finish, intercepting Quinn Ewers early in the game. Then you had those huge fourth down stops, those huge goal line stops. early interception, there was another one, right? They knew what play was coming. Then there was that goal line stand. One, two, three, four stops immediately at the goal line. So I think that Oklahoma is going to be ready. They did the same thing against Kansas as well, even though they lost the game. Oklahoma's defense is going to be ready for Ali Gordon. So I can't wait to watch who outlasts the other. Is it going to be Oklahoma? It's going to be Oklahoma State and Ali Gordon. I can't wait to watch.
1: I just want to add, though, in the last 20 years, Oklahoma State—I just Not got so excited about this stat. <laughs> okay, in the last 20 years, Oklahoma State has only won three times, all under guys. Last bedlam.
3: Last bedlam. Last bedlam. Though. Though. Can they do it?
1: All right, let's keep it rolling. All right, Saturday on ABC. The first Bedlam football game was played in 1904, and this could be the final meeting. Number nine Oklahoma takes on number 22 Oklahoma State at 3:30 Eastern. Then Michael Penix Jr. and the number five Washington will be at the Coliseum, squaring off against Caleb Williams and number 20 USC. Coverage begins at 7:30 Eastern. All right, let's take a look at our Dr Pepper Championship Drive Game of the Week preview. Now we see some. Two of the best QBs in the country face off when Heisman hopeful Michael Penix Jr. goes to the Coliseum to face off last year's Heisman winner Caleb Williams and USC. Now, both QBs are the top 10 in the country in several categories. Now, what is going to be more important, Roddy, for Washington? Their good offense or shutting down Caleb Williams?
5: I think. That defense has to show up in this game because USC is a team that's comfortable in a shootout. They were in one last week with Cal. Fifty to forty-nine. They know that if they put it on their offense, that they'll they, they'll be able to stay in the game. Caleb Williams can make magic happen. That's where that team feels comfortable. But if the Washington defense comes out and puts doubt that that offense is going to be able to move it up and down the field at will, that's where USC can get a little uncomfortable when they know it might be a defensive stop that has to win them the game or maybe a couple of defensive stops. So if they can put pressure, if Washington can put pressure on that USC defense by containing Caleb Williams, then I think they'll uh, they'll get USC into a point where they're uncomfortable with the way the game is going.
3: But from a college football playoff selection committee perspective, I want to see Washington's offense look like we thought they were going to look or at least how they looked early in the season. There's been a couple games where Michael Penix hasn't thrown a passing touchdown, even against... Stanford, they didn't play so great. I want that offense to look outstanding, and I would love Michael Penix Jr. to look like he looked when the season started, slinging the ball over the yard. And so, yes, I think you can win by stopping USC defensively, but I'm, th- I'm saying, okay, if you do get a win, and you're the sledge committee, you want to say, okay, how did they look? Did they look like a dominant team, or did they kind of just, kind of just barely find ways to win?
1: no. Both of you guys have been part of mock selection committees, and you've said that what matters is winning. But when, but when and how will that factor in for a team like Washington? I'm really, really curious. I have not been part of, a, obviously, a mock selection.
3: Yeah, well, I would say – so I've got a chance to sit in, and Roddy as well, sit in on the, on the mock selection committee discussion. So you to yeah. see how they make those decisions. Yeah, and yeah. so when those, those other factors come in, are when there are ties right let's say there's a lot of teams mm-hmm. are 7 and 1 and you're trying to find out okay the difference between the fourth team and the fifth team you're going to look at let's say it's mutual opponents like opponents how do you compare against mm-hmm. the same opponent or better yet let's say there's a team that usually gives up 50 points and and against them you gave up they gave up less right they're going to look at little things like that so that's what I would say but Roddy, I don't know what are your thoughts what's your opinion on in sitting in on some of those meetings mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, I agree with you, Sam. But for Washington, when you look at the resume that they could potentially have as a un, an undefeated or even potentially a one-loss team, the number of ranked wins that they'll have is another data point that's going to swing heavily in Washington's favor with the, the way the committee has looked favorably, the way that we all have looked favorably on the Pac-12. All
1: right. Yeah. Very fascinating. Thank you, fellas. All right, still to come, don't sleep on Kansas State, especially their run game. Find out who is really excited for their matchup against Texas. More college football live coming your way.
2: You're watching college football live presented by Dr. Pepper. College football live is presented by Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve.
1: Huge showdown in the Miac this weekend as Howard heads to South Carolina State with huge implications on who heads to the Cricket Celebration Bowl at the end of the season. For more, here's Tiffany Green.
4: Thanks so much, Victoria. Well, it's a sprint to the Miac finish line. There's virtually no room for error as the winner of the conference will go on to the Cricket Celebration Bowl. Larry Scott and his team, perfect, and they take it on the road to Orangeburg, South Carolina, for the Bulldogs' homecoming. It's the final homecoming for legendary coach Buddy Pugh. But when you think about Howard, the co-champions from a season ago, the way they have played this year has been great. They've pulled out a couple of close victories, and they have been led by an excellent rushing attack, tops in the conference, averaging 181 yards on the ground, that three-headed rushing attack with Ian Wheeler, Jared Hunter and the emergence of sophomore running back Eden James. On the other side, always known for their vaunted defenses, South Carolina State has to have a massive effort from Patrick Goffold and Jablonski Green up front. It's going to be a great one. Kickoff at 3.30 Saturday. You can catch it on our ESPN app and, of course, ESPNU. And don't forget, Black College Live will be on the campus of South Carolina State Friday. Make sure you check out Jay Walker, Tiffany Green, and Black College Live.
1: All right, let's take a look at the one final team vote brought to you by Dr. Pepper. You, the fans, voted and believe that Florida State will be the last team in Florida State. Looks to make the CFP for the first time since the inaugural CFP in 2015. You, the fans, voted. All right, Texas is one of the teams we just saw taking on Kansas State. Now, Roddy, you were talking about how pumped you were earlier for this matchup. What excites you the most about this game?
5: For me, with Kansas State, I'm looking to see if they can run the football against this Texas front. Uh, Kansas State has been tremendous. That offensive line has been fantastic, especially over the later part of the season. So this is a Kansas State team that I think is going to have to run the ball, whether it's with Will Howard, whether it's with with Avery Johnson, the true freshman quarterback who's come in and given them a major spark, or Treshawn Ward and DJ Giddens. This is a Kansas State team that has been rolling. That offensive line is one of the best in the country with Cooper Beebe, the All-American left guard. So I think their ability to run the football against Texas is going to be huge.
3: And I think on the other perspective Texas needs a spark. Why do I say that? Well their star quarterback Quinn Ewers is injured Malik Murphy though he started last week and played well. There was an interception there was a fumble. So they need their playmakers to step up and make plays. Who are those playmakers? Xavier Worthy. Not just in the receiving game but in the punt return game. He had his first career punt return touchdown Last week, in a huge moment in this game, early in this game, to give his redshirt freshman quarterback an ability to stay calm, stay present. Then Adonai Mitchell, the transfer from Georgia, won a national championship last year. He had two receiving touchdowns. That was huge. And if all else fails, lean on your running game. Jonathan Brooks and C.J. Baxter can be somewhat of a two-headed monster to help you find success against a really, really, really good Kansas State team who hasn't given up a touchdown in over nine quarters.
1: Basically, at the end of the day, just run the ball. (laughs) Just keep running, as Forrest Gump says. All right, Sam, who's a team that really needs to have a good weekend? It's week 10, a lot on the line.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'll say Washington. Washington, we've talked about them. They haven't played great over the last few weeks. They found ways to win, but it hasn't looked pretty. If having a good weekend against USC gives you more grace in the eyes of not just the beholder, but of the college football playoff selection committee, number one. Number two, USC is also a good football team. The Pac-12 is packed right now. So if you lose that game, now all of a sudden you have one loss, Oregon has one loss, and now all of a sudden there's a little bit less leeway. And so you have some other tough opponents too, Utah being one of them. And so I think that's why Washington needs a good win to get back into who they are. Really good offensive team and really good defense.
5: I I think it's Louisville. I think Louisville is a team that needs a great weekend. They are the lowest-ranked one-loss team in the entire country in the CFB poll. And when you look at that win over Notre Dame, it was quickly overshadowed by a loss to Pitt. That offense has been sort of up and down, and they've done enough, but they haven't necessarily been consistent down the stretch. That defense has been the most consistent part. I think the Louisville Cardinals, in order to boost their standings, need a big weekend against a surging Virginia Tech team.
1: All right, we had... Louisville, Washington. I think I'm going to go Washington. I like it. I'm going to go Washington. Look, at the end of the day, it's going to be a fun weekend. We got the last of Bedlam. All right, for Sam, Roddy, and our entire crew, I'm Victoria. Thanks for hanging with us. We'll be back tomorrow at 4 on ESPN2. Bye, everyone. Have a great day.